I have a friend who is an x-ray technician for a doctor's office. She met her latest boyfriend there, but I honestly don't know what she saw in him. Welcome to Across the Table, the podcast of Hannibal the Magician. Greetings from the top of the world, Estes Park, Colorado, where I have made my happy little home and living out my season in solitude. It has been a very interesting week, to say the least. Um, Some of it a little stressful, some of it a little anxiety prone. I'm going to cough now. And I don't have a cough button set up yet, so there's a little extra. Um, Oh man, a little bit of ground to cover, so let's jump right on in. It is uh, is still an amazing life up here. It snows at least once a week. Some of it's a lot and some of it's a little, but it's always gorgeous, and I've got the mountains surrounding me, and I've got the serenity of the the peacefulness of... uh, of the mountains and the, and the upper, up, upper, upper part of Colorado itself. I am creating art and trying new ideas and trying to stretch out uh, what I'm doing to, uh, to fulfill the vision that I have for this particular thing. Uh, for those of you who, who don't know, I'm uh, up here at the Stanley Hotel, which was the inspiration for Stephen King's The Shining. That is uh, just one of the stories in a very, very long and rich history of this place uh, where a man literally came here to die and it ended up saving his life. Uh, I'll tell you all about that sometime in the, in the murky future. Uh, but I am, uh, I am certainly, it's a gift to be able to do what I do. And my uh, right now we're kind of in the off season, so I'm doing three nights a week, uh, two seance sessions per evening and uh, when the busy season hits right at Memorial Day we are going to increase that to six nights a week and three sessions per night and it's going to be really hard work and I'm going to be incredibly exhausted and I am so looking forward to it I cannot tell you just the uh, and I may have related this to you before but the way I got to where I am was by going to work by, by, by going out to the street, literally going out to the street in Charlotte, North Carolina, and setting up my table and staying there for hours and hours and hours to try to get grocery money, to feed my family, to try to get rent money, to pay my bills, performing and putting out the hat. And that's how you get good. Just you get out there and you, and you do the work and you do it repeatedly and you, and you do it badly and little by little you get better. So this upcoming season... 18 performances a week. And man, it's going to come out so polished and so in a direction or in a... In a, a I, can't even, I cannot see the finished picture in my mind. But I really look forward to discovering it little by little, like slowly unwrapping a present, you know. So that's going to be amazing. The, the vision that I have for this, I was hired uh, in a nutshell to present a theatrical seance program for arguably the most uh, haunted hotel in the world. Um, some people that, uh, that are a part of this um, of the hotel don't like the word haunted because it has negative connotations. But it's got, that reputa- it's got that reputation 
of, uh, of its hauntedness. And if we are haunted by anything, if you get to know the history of the hotel, we are haunted by happy memories and friendship and love and, and a certain passion uh, for keeping the history in this, uh, in this arena. So I came to do a seance, and, you know, of course, the very first thought is to be spooky and to make it perhaps like a Halloween program. The parameters that were given to me and the boundaries that were given to me were the history of the hotel needed to be uh, put into the program somehow. Uh, it needed to reflect what the what the hotel was about, which is great. That's exactly what I'd love to do uh, and tell that story. But also to make it not very Disney, to not make it like you're taking a ride in the Haunted Mansion. And so I took those two challenges and a boundary, a goal of my own, to make the show uplifting, to have people leaving, not going, boy, that was scary, but to but to leave with the feeling of, of some kind of, if not closure, but some kind of a, uh, I'm glad I came. I, I, I've, I learned new feelings. I, I, I explored new uh, avenues and perhaps made a friend or two. And I'm coming, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to that. Now, of course, you know, a lot of it hangs on the personality and the expectations of the people that come in. But, uh, but so far, so good. And I'm very, very pleased with the results. It is serving my heart and my art really, really well. And I get to do some magic that people don't even know about, which, you know, how neat is that? Right? So, you have questions about that? By the way, if you have any questions about anything that I do, send them along to me. I'd love to answer questions here on the podcast. You can leave them, leave them in the comments of whatever you listen to, or you can uh, email me at info at themagicartist.com. And uh, I'm pretty sure there'll be a link in the description of, of wherever you're listening to this podcast on, but info at themagicartist.com, and I'll, I'll address any of those questions as well. Uh, patrons who support this channel get these podcasts 10 days earlier than anybody else. So you can also uh, sign up to the Patreon if you wish, patreon.com slash magicartist. And that's really all I'll say about that, because I'm not in this for the money. It is nice to have the support. It is wonderful to have people who uh, would like to lend five bucks a month to, uh, to, uh, to be a part of the support of this. And uh, you have my Sincere thanks, if you do, my, my gratitude. Speaking of which, um, and I should have been prepared, but I'm not, so let me open this up right quickly. I do have a question from my pal, Ted Loring. Uh, Ted sent a question along last week that we responded to, and then he had another question later, or in the follow-up to that. Uh, and I want to make sure that I get his wording right, so I'm going to... Uh, pull this up while you stand by and listen to dead air, I suppose. Sorry. Um, 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 um. Where are you? What'd you do? Oh, here we go. Here we go. So, Mr. Loring writes, well, first of all, he writes, hey, thanks for answering my questions. It was interesting to hear about how you read an audience. I found out that I've already been doing some of the things you suggested to reach my 65 and older audience. I focus on hits of the 50s and 60s. Sometimes I've changed the lyrics to some of the songs to include local landmarks. I still play with the joy. I still play with the joy, my friend. And that is great news to hear. 
Thank you, Ted. His follow-up question was, have you talked about the song you play at the end? I might have missed that in a past podcast. Who wrote and performed it, and how did it come about? That song is called Love is Everything, and it is by an artist called Selwa Luke. Um, a few years ago, I, uh, I, helped to, I helped her to get her first album recorded and published. Um, and in return, she wrote, she took some time and she put some real heartfelt thought into this song, To Love Is Everything. Um, she recorded it and played the piano on it and sang it and gave it to me to do with whatever I wished with it. Um, there's a, a re- returning refrain in the song that says, I hope there's love where you are, which I tend to close a lot of my programs with, certainly the vlogs and the podcasts and, and the shows, the live shows that I do. The last thing that I say before signing off is generally, I hope there's love where you are, which I do. Um, the, the one thing I would wish for everyone, the one thing that I would hope for everyone is that there is a uh, a source of love that you can plug into and reach out to and feel. And I mean that in all sincerity. So that's that's the story of that. Selwa Luke, love is everything. Um, yeah, and it, like it'll be at the end of this program as well. Uh, it has been a number of years since I started using it, and I, it still gets me misty, man. still does. still gets me right, right in the old heartstrings. And I'm internally, uh, eternally, internally and eternally uh, grateful for Mrs. Luke and, uh, and for her talents and for sharing them with me. Here's the, uh, here's the story of this week. Actually, there might be more than one. Uh, one's kind of a downer. One's kind of a... Well, I've got I to open, uh, open up my vulnerability. I've got to open up my heart for the second one. But so Saturday night. We have an almost full house. We have one seat left. And just about an hour before everything begins, that seat gets sold. And it is sold to a solo gentleman, which is rare in, in the kind of show that I present and the seance show that I'm putting on. If we get a single ticket purchased, it's usually a lady, uh, someone who is looking for, uh, I don't know, the, that kind of entertainment. So, um, okay, so cool. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I'll certainly give my best to anyone who takes a seat in my little chamber. Um, but this gentleman walked in, and because I look at people and I look at mannerisms and I read people from... This all comes from years and years of just working on the street. I just got a very strange vibe. I got a very uncomfortable for me vibe from this gentleman. He was scowling. He didn't speak to anyone in particular. He wouldn't make eye contact when I tried to engage him uh, in conversation, which I try to do with everyone who walks in just so that they can be more comfortable and so that I get to know a little bit about them and the way they're liable to behave. And he just seemed very introspective and very, and, you know, and that's all okay. That that's That's all fine. But then there just seemed to be a... A, a darker sense about him. That the, that's the best way I can describe it. And he was wearing jeans and a hoodie, and he was in his, I'm going to put him late 40s, early 50s perhaps. 
And he kept one hand in his pocket. He kept his right hand inside his hoodie pocket, and it certainly it looked like he was holding something. His left hand would bring his phone out every once in a while, and he would look at something or check the time or, or whatever it was he was doing, but his right hand was holding something in his pocket. Couldn't figure out what it was, but my imagination sometimes goes crazy. When you purchase a ticket for the seance program, you, uh, you take a look at our rules, you take a look at the things, the guidelines that we recommend. Because it is an emotionally charged program, we ask that anyone who has had a recent bereavement or, or is, is still stinging from a, from a loss to maybe reconsider and come back at a later time when, when they're a little feeling a little more stable because it can be very emotional, this little program. Uh, and it's also made very clear, and you have to check a box before you can purchase a ticket, uh, that I am not going to, and I'm putting air quotes out here, I'm not going to summon someone you lost. I'm not going to bring your mom or your dad or your brother or anybody. I'm not going to try to summon a personal spirit for anyone in the room. Uh, I understand the sadness and I understand the longing and the wanting to communicate, but it is not part of the program that I wrote. It is a theatrical seance experience. So that is all made very clear to anyone coming into the chamber. And, you know, you can make your choice to, to not come if you, if, you, or if you don't like those things. Anyway, all that just to, to, to say these things were known before anything started. So he didn't really want to participate. He didn't really want to be involved with things. He, he, there's, a, there's a part of the program where uh, people write down their happy places. I ask them to write down a place or a time or a person or something that brings them joy, that makes them happy. And I try to tie into that. I try to expand on that, to open that, to bring their that part of their own story into what we're doing. And this gentleman wrote down Walter White as his, as his happy place. And Walter White, of course, is the anti-hero of Breaking Bad. Um, and when I kind of tried to query him about why... His response to me was, well, he gets rid of anything that gets in, anything and anyone that gets in his way, he doesn't take crap from anybody. And so, of course, the red flags and the warning bells and everything else is going off in my head. About two-thirds of the way through the program, he interrupts me and, and says, look, I just want to talk to my grandmother. I want to make sure that, she, that she's proud of me and that I am doing the right things and stopped the program cold. Um, as you can imagine, uh, I went over and, and I sat down next to him and, and I gently as possible told him that that wouldn't be possible. Uh, that's not something that I do. That's not something that, you know, I was going to, I was going to even attempt or, or pretend to do. And some other people that were in the audience backed me up. Also very gently. Very, nobody, nobody was mad or upset. They understood, they could feel his pain as I could, but they, they, they gently told him, no, we, you know, we all signed a paper that said we wouldn't, that wouldn't be a thing that was happening. And you could tell that didn't make him happy, but he, he dropped the subject and we, we concluded with no incident, no further incident. On his way out, this gentleman stopped the hostess who, was, uh, who stands outside at the end of the show, and he told her, that we were frauds. And then he went down to the bar and remained there for the rest of the evening. Uh, 
Um, yeah, so there's my story for the week. Am I a fraud? Absolutely. Uh, I've been a fraud for probably as long as I can remember. I'm an artist. I'm an actor. I, I pretend to make magic happen so that I can offer comedy or drama or any number of other emotions, any range of emotions that I can pull out and share with the people I care about. And those are the people in my seats and in my audience and in my theater. Whether I am doing my comedy magic show or whether I am doing a more dramatic presentation of, of performance conjuring or whether I am doing a theatrical seance, I put my heart and my soul into it, but I am, in the sense of the word, pretending. I am presenting for you my thoughts, and I have, I have painted them, and I have put them on the canvas, and I am putting my heart out on the table for people to see. And it is genuine, but it is an act. So there's your conundrum. There's your yin and your yang, your balance between, you know, telling lies in order to lead you to the truth. It's also one of the, one of the lines of Selwood's song, as a matter of fact. If you look closely, you'll see the truth behind all of my lies. I have a friend. I have a very dear friend who's going to be celebrating his 80th birthday uh, very, very shortly now. I, I got a phone call from this dear friend who has been a teacher to me, who has been a mentor to me, who has been a wall I could lean on when the rest of my life was falling to pieces. Very much like Ted. He, uh, he has not given me any permissions to tell his personal business uh, over the airwaves, so I'm not going to give his name, but suffice it to say, he is one of the dearest humans in my life and has been for many, many years. <laughs> I'll tell you this story another time, but he gave me a single person standing ovation when I called a theater full of magicians uh, bitches. <laughs> I'll tell you that story another time. Anyway, I got a phone call from my friend telling me that he had been diagnosed with colon cancer and he's had a surgery for it and everything looks good and everything looks bright, but you know, uh, senior and surgery and cancer. And all of those words kind of fell on me uh, at the same time. Now, he was in great spirits about it. He was in great hope about it. Um, and, and, and both in hope and good spirits in that he could overcome it or that his body could overcome it and he could have a few more years here and also hope and happiness and joy in the fact that this this might be the end this might be the part of it and either way either way he was okay with that and and more than okay joyful and and celebratory because he'd lived his life the way the way he wanted to and he did good for other people. And he did, not, he did not pursue fame and fortune. He pursued quality and, and truthfulness and heart. And he's a fine magician and he's an incredible actor. And he is part of that world. He lives his life just to be. Just, just to be. Not to be famous. Not to be rich. Not to be well-loved or well-liked or, or, or even respected. He lives his life to be. 
to use the gift that has been imparted to him. His plan, all of it when he told his friends back, way back, that he was going to pursue a life of performance, that he was going to pursue a life of giving, that everyone encouraged him, yes, but do have something to fall back on. And he said, my, my plan, my fallback plan is to not have anything to fall back on. <sighs> Sorry, I'm, I, I'm, I'm still moved by, by the conversation we had. Nothing to fall back on except that exactly the universe has your back and has and is holding you up. That's what he has to fall back on, is, is, is himself and the life he's been given. He spent his life following the voice that said, come here, come here. Wait till you see what we have for you waiting over here. And of course, you set your own goals. I, I want the program that I have to continue on and to, and to improve and to be polished. And I want my life to show the quality and the, and the love that I have and, and want to put out for the universe because it's the universe that's supporting me. And it's people like you who listen and understand and maybe share my story. And for nothing else, the legacy that I leave for my children and for my grandchildren is not going to be monetary because I stopped chasing that quite a while ago. It's going to be the stories. It's going to be the podcast, the, the vlog, the, the words that I type on a page because my life has been haunted by stories for 57 years now started off pretty dramatic and it's just kept on improving all the way through. Call your friends. Call the people that you love. Reach out to someone you haven't spoken to in a while. There may come a time when the time gets shorter than you expect. In the meantime, look down, see where your feet are and be in it. Be in that place. Do the job that is in your hands. Use the gift you've been given. You might suck at it for a while, but it's going to get better, and you're going to reach people and touch people you don't even know. And you're leaving your little check mark on history. Just this brief life, and the gifts we've been given, and the love that surrounds us everywhere. I hope that I reached at some level, the angry gentleman that attended my show Saturday. I hope my friend knows how much I love him. I hope all of my friends know how much I love them. I hope that I'm a good example for someone. I hope that I am the person that someone needs to hear from. I hope I am serving the one who gave me this gift well. That's what I ask for. And the other thing that I hope is simply that I hope there's love where you are. I may not know exactly where this road is taking me. I know that I'm exactly right where I'm supposed to be. 
I carried the 